Good morning and welcome to OSA's podcast series. In this podcast, we get to explore topical economic issues and see how they affect our daily lives here in South Africa. We get to speak to experienced and knowledgeable people in the field. I'm your host, Margot G, and with me today, once again, is Nicola Yeji, the SARB Chair of Monetary Economics at the University of Pretoria. Hello and welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Margot. How are you? <laughs> Very good. We're grateful to have you, you with us. So Thank last you. week we spoke about the macroeconomic the macroeconomic effects of the response to the coronavirus pandemic. A lot has changed since then. So lastly, we last week we found out that the South African economy was downgraded by Moody's, and also there was an open letter to the president circulating. Could you please tell us some more about these both of these? Yes. Um... Yes, you are right. In one week, things change very, very fast, and the situation become more, more dramatic. Because we have to uh, to analyze things in a, uh, very rapidly. The situation now is this: uh, after the first week of the closure of the economy, it is clear that the health response is fast and efficient. Is actually, I think, a world model. In a lot of ways, but the economic response is clearly lagging. And there is a sort of indecision of how to deal with the economic uh, situation. The downgrading of moving didn't help, uh, but the the country was already uh, outside the international financial market. The international capital market were already was gone. It's gone. It's, it's back in the United States. Uh, in this situation, uh, there has been an uh, intervention by a lot of economists uh, with an uh, open letter to the president uh, arguing uh, about uh, speeding up the economic intervention with a series of measures uh, that I fundamentally agree that is essentially protection of the household. Uh, 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 protection of the ho- household, uh, uh, protection of certain protection of business, uh, expansion of the safety net as much as possible. With a sense uh, uh, also that we should abandon, you know, any idea of fiscal uh, fiscal adjustment that it, as it was uh, uh, imagined in the medium term budget. This one, I think, in this condition is is a mistake in the sense that we need whatever it takes but we cannot uh, but it's not that everything goes so the way we respond to this crisis will very much determine what the economy of South Africa will be after the crisis and fundamental in this is to define how we finance the intervention we program now because because that is the things that the government cannot solve at this, at this stage is how do I find the money to finance this intervention necessary intervention now that I am locked out of the international financial market and that I have a fiscal position that I inherited from the past that is extremely weak that is for me, as an economist, the difficult, the real difficult question that we need to discuss and to solve. Because otherwise it is almost, 
it's almost too easy to have a list of the things we need to do without making explicit what are the trade-offs and what are the things that, you know, how do we finance this? Right, so you're talking about the different ways in which the South African economy can finance its spending and the dependence on the international market versus doing it locally. Yes. For, for many, many years, we have been dependent on international financial flows finance consumption above uh, public and private consumption above the productive capacity of the economy. That part of our history is finished. Because after the downgrading and moving and after this crisis, and given the fiscal position of the country, from now on, whatever resources we want to find to finance our public investment, to finance our uh, public health and education, etc., must be found inside the country because access to the international capital market will be difficult going forward and is impossible now. Therefore, there is very little access to international capital. Market. Therefore, we have to find the, the resources inside. And the, the possibility are we have to find the resources inside the budget. We have to find the resources with exceptional taxation when this one is needed. We need to find the resources in relation to international financial institutions, IMF and the World Bank, although I think this one should be the last option. And we need to find these resources in relation to monetary policy, the form of monetization. Which resource we find and how we bargain the use of these resources will determine what kind of principle and condition we'll have, we'll have in the future. That is my point. You know, in the South African debate, everything is articulated a lot of time in a certain ideological way. You know? Like, you know, if you are for monetization, you are sort of leftist. If you are instead for increased taxation austerity, you are somehow uh, right. And I think that is the, the wrong way. The economic policy problem is always a problem of trade-offs and balances. Therefore, there is not the, the perfect option in front of us, especially in this situation. There is absolutely not the perfect option. The option we have to evaluate is on the basis of what kind of country we want to be in the future. For example, I make an example that we are not going to have access to the financial market, a consumer-driven economy is not going to be the way out of the situation. The way out of the situation will be an export innovation uh, driven economy. This means, in some sense, that we have an occasion because of the big devaluation of the exchange rate to try to incentivize and push firms if they survive. And that's where the intervention now need to be, make these firms survive. But if they survive, to we have the opportunity to try to access, uh, to be competitive in the international market. Therefore, now export the export orientation of the economy become a priority, become actually the only priority to get out of this situation. This means that we cannot uh, uh, give up the advantage of the devaluation exchange rate by increasing inflation. Because if we, we have a, if the devaluation exchange rate is transferred in an increase in inflation, the only thing that happens is simply the cost structure increase and we are not competitive in any way. Therefore, the decision of which instrument we use is also related to what we want to be afterwards. 
the fork wants to reduce cost structure, wants to need to increase the productivity of the expenditure. Again, uh, we see in the health response the ability of the South African state to be fast, responsive, scientifically uh, driven, and efficient. Uh, right. The South African state should not be efficient only in moments of crisis. You need to be efficient in the provision of public service, of health always, of education always, of building infrastructure always. We have wasted 10 years of resources, squander resources, and make the economy weak, not resilient. Now we are in a situation that we are paying the price of what had happened the last 10 years of no growth, no investment. But this one should also be the occasion which we rethink how, what these crises tell us about how we should go forward. In the same way that the Asian countries, Asian countries when there was the Asian crisis, they learned something from the crisis. It became much more saving-driven, much more resilient, much more strong. And you see now that the Asian countries, more than the European, more than the, are the ones that are uh, resisting, more resilient to this kind of shock. Because we will have more of these kind of shocks. So what does it then actually take for the policy to change? If we have been looking at, I mean, you mentioned the past 10 years, and we're almost on one track, and we've been following yeah. certain thought processes and certain policies, what does it then take to change? And I imagine it must be quite a big shift to make that happen. Yes, I think it's a big deal. On one end is recognizing that everybody has got a responsibility in this process. Therefore, it's not, it's not an issue of government. It's all the social parties, it's everybody. In some sense, you know, uh, we, are going to, we are going to be poorer. There's no question about that. Because at the end of the year, we'll probably be back in terms of GDP at 10 years ago. We are going to be poorer. For first, we have to redistribute this increase in poverty around. Because it cannot be that this increase in poverty goes only to affect those that are already poor. Therefore, there must be a redistribution of the shock. Uh, therefore, if this means you know, a levy on uh, uh, liquid wealth, a special levy on liquid wealth to redistribute some of these resources to protect the weakest household, this is something that it cannot be that the public, that the public sector is the sort of the employer of last resort. Therefore, that is the only source of employment and wages uh, around. For the public wage is not about the productivity of the public sector, but it's about the need of uh, redistributing some of income through that source. No, the, the objective of the public sector must be the efficient distribution and the, the, fish, the efficient uh, realization of the basic services that form the basic infrastructure and network of which our society works. Education, health, and infrastructure. Without these three strong pillars, you don't have a resilient, resilient society because you don't have security for people to plan in the future. That's what health will give you. You don't invest in the next generation. 
you don't invest in the capacity of innovation, of change, of adaptation of the next generation. Now, this one is what makes a country resilient. And therefore, that one is the main objective. And therefore, you have to rethink about the labor contract, you have to rethink about all the uh, tax system and everything in order what is the that you need to achieve this objective. Why we can do it for the health provision now? Why we can do it for the World Cup? Why we can do it at this, you know, moment in which there is, uh, you solve the coordination problem, but we cannot do it in building the uh, power station. We cannot do it in uh, distributing uh, 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 books uh, at different schools. But this issue, this is the time to discuss, to put it on the plate. Because it's clear that if we don't deal with these issues, then this crisis is just, is just the first of many. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't want to, to become a sort of an Argentina continuous boom and bust economy. We have to establish certain principles. You know, fiscal balance is a, a condition for progressive policies because without a stable economy, without a, a, a strong anchor, you cannot anchor progressive policy transfer to people, uh, uh, social grant, etc., on debt. You cannot base this huge amount of distribution of resources on financing from abroad. That was unsustainable. And this is the time that we need to, okay, we have this program, who's gonna pay for it? And how we are gonna pay for it? This is, I think, in some sense an occasion. And as an as economist, I think this is our responsibility to put things on the table. To say, these are the difficult options that we and to analyze and to do research and to really look at how do we minimize the the shock, how do we minimize the effect of this big change and what kind of long-term country we, we imagine. That yes. is my, my I, think that's, <laughs> I think that's a very interesting taking. So you touch on the importance of productivity and the resources people need to be productive. And something that also interests me is the importance of encouraging small businesses. So a lot, of, a lot of these investments that we're talking about are very long term. The education system, there is more than adequate funding there, but there are certain inefficiencies within the system. If you're looking at our infrastructure, it's similar. But I think perhaps a more medium to short term approach is also addressing things like your small businesses and your um, entrepreneurs and removing barriers to encourage them to be as productive as possible. What more do you think could be done from a policy perspective in that regard? I think, you know, in general, I think the problem of South Africa in a lot of years has been the relation between insider and outsider. Therefore, there is a lot of people with positional rent, monopoly, uh, positional rent inside the public sector and in the private sector. And everybody else is struggling to access the economy. This is what you see in the dynamic of the small and medium enterprise. For South Africa, actually, there is quite a lot of entry, as small as a medium enterprise, but they don't survive. There is a lot of churning because there is really not enough fertile ground for these firms to really put roots. This one is partly the efficiency of the public administration is partly the nature of the infrastructure is partly regulation and 
an idea that this economy is, you know, is if you want hyper formalized. Uh, it's an economy that uh, you know we have uh, relation and uh, and structure that are not even in Germany. Uh, in terms of at least in Germany there is a bit more cooperation. Uh, uh, here instead we have very complex legislation, all done for very good reason, but essentially it doesn't allow the dynamic at the bottom. And then as some economist says, you know, we should incentivize the informal economy. But the informal economy is just an economy that has got a cost structure that is too low to respect the rules. Therefore, if you have a cost structure that is too high to respect the rules, and therefore the only way you can survive is not respecting the rules, therefore to go under. But this means that your rules are not consistent with where they need of the economic dynamic uh, of the economic dynamic in the country. Therefore, you need to think about what are the rules that make that give a minimum common denominator, but give also the possibility to try, fail, try, uh, try again. We need, you know, also because we cannot, we don't know where the next. The next success story will come from, and therefore try to, you know, engineering uh, economic economic development by choosing different sectors is, is a mistake. You have to, to open up this uh, possibility of a lot of entry and exit. So, but giving a substrate of rule and regulation and in relation, for example, export, etc., that allow those that are successful to put roots and grow. Yes. And I think at the moment this one is not is not happening. This one must be done now. This one can be done. This is the time to do it. Yes. This is the time to do it. Yes. I have a dog. Uh, I have a dog participating in the discussion. <laughs> he agrees. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, just one last question for you is um, you mentioned yeah. the importance of exports. Where do you think our comparative advantage in that regard really lies? Um, what is it that we should be exporting and to whom? Um, should we then Sorry. focus on the close, our, our neighbors, or should we look further abroad? Should we look at Asia? Should we, where, where do you think the best place is for us to export and what? If, yes. if you could. The, f- the, first thing, the first thing is definitely raw material to Asia. Because Asia will be the after this crisis the first market that is open, mm. and therefore the demand, the first demand that will come from them, and it will be raw material, and that's fine, uh, because we need to export it, we need to reactivate the economy fast. Then the the devaluation give us actually opportunity to experiment in a lot. Of, you know there is definitely ag- agro. Uh, Agro, uh, agro-processing is definitely one, and there is a, but also is a country that is actually quite a complex uh, industrial structure, from car manufacturing to chemicals to uh, to a lot of other other sectors. Therefore, it's not uh, only raw material country. Plus, they we have to sort of invest more, although there is a lot of uh, investment now 
in the relation with the rest of Africa because at the end the opportunity for us is really for the future of South Africa is very much linked to what happened in the rest of the continent for growth in South Africa growth and growth are linked together especially if the, if the world become more fragmented for if the if the big uh, globalization that we experience uh, after this crisis will start you know might break down and therefore we cannot rely anymore necessarily on a big global market but we will have to target specific places and one place that is definitely a big place for South Africa is the relationship with the rest of Africa considering the fact that the South Africa in the relationship with the rest of Africa could be the California of Africa because South Africa compared to the rest of Africa in terms of uh, infrastructure in terms of education system university research uh, telecommunication okay, all these sectors finance banking uh, services uh, uh, all these sectors could be a very uh, a very good attractors of talent and resources from the rest of Africa in the same way that California is for the rest of the United States I never understood why they uh, you know the IT sent in Africa is Nairobi and it is not kept down. Uh, yeah. The reason is because we have to pay the, the data 10 times of well 15 times of what they pay in Kenya. <laughs> but that is it's a structural, no? therefore we are stopping our own possibility by the protection of small positional rents being these uh, public uh, companies or private companies I have no particular preference as long as there is a position in rent there is an inefficiency there is then some somebody stop stopping somebody else to do something new and innovative mm-hmm. and therefore start selling to uh, to Asia for sure and then start to discover in the relation with the rest of Africa really what are you good at and what South Africa is really innovative and good at because there is a lot of things that South Africa can do South Africa has to change the, the, the view of the world, less inward, based on consumption, etc., more outward, like experiment. Let's send our students to learn Swahili, because these, those are, are the places where you're going to sell your stuff. Yeah? Therefore, yes. not all, you know, that's also how, how a university helps a process. Huh? Thinking about the, teaching our students that they are yeah. part of this continent and this is where you do business this is where you have cultural relationship this one is where you go for, for tourism yes well you've definitely struck on i think the heart of the issue here which comes down to productivity and how we should focus on investing locally in short medium as well as long-term goals yeah. is there anything you would like to add to our listeners that's it. I will have more conversation because in one week the situation yeah. will be uh, will be changed again. Of course, and I think as you said, we've handled the situation very well and yes. may this be some good learning for what we can do going yes. forward. Thank you very much for your time. Thank Professor. you. Thank you, Michael. Thank I appreciate you. having the opportunity to have Call you with us. <laughs> this yeah. is your host, Margot G from OC Podcast Series. Till next time.